Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Sup Witches. Thank you for tuning in. Today I'm recording on my laptop, which I've found to be helpful as I can navigate through different tabs versus recording on my phone. I don't know if anyone notices a difference, but if so, please let me know and I will fix that for y'all. Um, my boyfriend kindly stated he was willing to let me use his microphone, which I think will make things a little bit more official on my end, but I appreciate you listening and tuning in either way. My house is funny. Do you ever notice that no one texts you or calls you when you're bored or not really doing anything super important? And then the second you're an appointment or you are on the phone or you're recording, in my case, everyone starts calling. So fingers crossed that in the next 20 to 30 minutes or so, no one will call me because I am 26, but I still live at home. And do you guys remember house phones? Remember the ones with like the coil the cord that you couldn't walk more than like five feet away without disconnecting? The younger generation will never know things that millennials or people in their 30s know. And I think that the TV shows like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, all that jazz was just so nostalgic when I think about it. My childhood, we had the best music growing up in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Literally the best music. I might be biased, but I don't care what anyone says. It is freaking true. That being said, I want to just let everyone know that I appreciate you listening from the bottom of my heart, but everything I say is just my opinion and you can take it or leave it. My opinion is not fact. My experience, although it may be true to me, is not definitive truth. Everyone's truth is subjective and we base our own personal opinions and values and morals really off of our experiences, what we've witnessed and observed growing up. So if anything I ever says doesn't resonate with you, please know that is okay. I strongly and highly encourage you to have your own point of view explore and challenge your own perspective, but stay open-minded to other people's because I feel like in this time, in 2020 and 2021, everything is politicized and everything is black and white and so polarized. And it's really been encouraging me to find a balance, find that middle ground and meet somewhere in the center where I can believe in something but I can also know that everyone is entitled to their own opinion and it is never my place or my responsibility to change other people's truth. That is not my business. So with that being said, I want to talk about something completely different today than I was planning on talking about. I was actually going to follow up on my last episode and talk about getting your sexual needs met and talking to your partner about sex, which I will touch upon perhaps next week. And then I was also considering talking about cosmic consciousness and the fear of death and connecting with spirit and communicating with the other side, spiritual awakening, self-realization as well as manifestation tips and tricks and myths to become a master manifester. Now these are, I plan on being my next three episodes, but today I surprisingly got this sweet message from a listener who said she found my 
I, I don't know her pronouns, but I am assuming, which you should never assume someone's pronouns, but for simplicity's sake, I will say she found my podcast on Spotify and said that it really resonated with her. And she thanked me for sharing her uh, with her experiences and just touching in on growth and depression and mental illness and battling with doctors and self-reflection. And I was so touched because I haven't gotten a message like this in a little bit. So I just find this very meaningful and fulfilling work that I'm doing here. And even if it helps just one person or just one person listens to my episodes, it will be well worth it. Now I'm at well over 2000 listeners and I love each and every single one of you, but my goal for 2021 is to get to 10,000. So please continue to like, share, subscribe, and leave me your voice memos on Anchor or your comments, suggestions for the show. If anyone would like to have an open conversation and be on the show, please let me know. My Instagram is Podcast. I'm also currently on Facebook for now, Lauren Coletti. So this motivated me to talk more about mental illness because I'm at that place in my life where... I'm 26 years old and I take for granted my good days because back in the past when I was an adolescent, teenager, young adult, I struggled with my mental health tremendously, more than anyone I'd ever met. I was in psychiatric institutions perhaps every other year. I was on close to 10 different medications. I was suicidal. I was self-harming. I was entrenched in the depths of an eating disorder, and I was diagnosed with every possible mental health condition. So I wanted to talk about living with a mental health condition when you identify as a highly sensitive empath, because I realized that my bad mental health days are more few and far between than they were. And I am so grateful for that, tremendous, tremendously blessed to have come as far as I've come to where I feel I don't struggle with mental health as much as I did. And I'm I'm very much thankful to say that I'm blessed truly for the support I've gotten. Because although I was never an entitled person, my parents didn't have money, my mom fought to provide for me the mental health support that she did because it's so expensive. Even if you do have insurance, the copays add up, the medications, if you're paying out of pocket, add up, and the procedures add up. And we all have privilege, right? But I always, I remember when I was in my eating disorder, I remember seeing these beautiful eating disorder treatment centers in down south or out west, I live in New York, where you get to go on horseback riding and it's it just seemed like a resort, you know? And I remember thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. I feel like that would be such a great experience that could really help me. And getting so resentful when I couldn't even afford to spend a day in the hospital or take an ambulance. Now, that's not to say that those people that go to those treatment centers recover 100%. I'm under the belief that certain things may never fully completely be eliminated from my life. My eating disorder, although I do not binge and purge anymore, I still very much get eating disorder thoughts or triggered with my post-traumatic stress disorder. I have mood disorder and sometimes my mood can be 
quite out of balance and I'll feel very unstable. But coming this far and just reflecting and having this self-awareness and insight that I do now, I feel I don't talk about it as much anymore because it's not top of mind like it used to. And perhaps I should talk about it here because I know that so many people are going through it. And I believe that you can either burn from the fire of the hell you've been through or rise from the ashes. I do think it is possible to live a normal life with mental illness just because you've been diagnosed with something. It doesn't mean you have no future. And so often we can identify with that diagnosis or diagnoses and that label. It takes a healthy attitude, taking medication if and when you need it, if you believe in it, going to therapy for me, as well as just staying well, eating right, going to bed at a reasonable time, getting those eight hours. But I would always hate when I would see things online that said, oh, as long as you journal, as long as you get out in the sun, as long as you meditate or do yoga, you will conquer your mental illness or your depression should be gone. There is so much shame and stigma surrounded in anxiety and depression in any mental illness that we feel after a certain time period we should be over it by now. So I'll share a little bit of my backstory because I can tend to get all over the place and go in 20 different directions. But I just want you to know if you do have a mental health condition, you are not alone. It's an estimated statistic that one in five American adults experience some form of mental illness in any given year. And for me, this was much earlier identifying as a HSP empath. So growing up when I was born, I was adopted. So I don't have any genetic or biological knowledge of my birth parents, but I remember when I was told I was adopted, feeling immediately like something was wrong with me and unwanted. And in psychology, we say nature versus nurture. So if you have the seed, if a life experience, perhaps an early childhood adverse trauma waters that seed, then the plant will start to grow. So it's basically a switch, turning on or off the gene. So I trust that that perhaps might have turned the gene on for me, but that wasn't all. So I grew up, was made fun of for being adopted because when I said it as a kid, I remember thinking, oh, this is just part of who I am. And then kids use that to make fun of me. And growing up, my father had cancer. And growing up with a chronically terminally ill parent is not talked about often. I have never read any research done on it. I'm sure there is out there. And perhaps I'll look into this for a future episode. But growing up, my father was terminally ill. He had diabetes. He had liver disease, which then progressed into liver cancer. And this was a very um, particularly challenging and stressful time on my young self growing up always in fight or flight, always in turbulent, chaotic conditions, never feeling like a quote unquote normal family, but in reality, what is a normal family, right? So few families have that white picket fence life, I believe at least. So growing up, I was, I was afraid of my father. I was scared of him because of his condition. He, not that he was angry, but he was easily angered, um, understandably so, because, you know, when you have a migraine or you're feeling nauseous, you know how, like, easily aggravated and agitated you can get. So I was ashamed of the life that 
I was living at home because in elementary school, I would hear about, oh, we're going to Disney. Oh, we're going on this vacation, that vacation with my family. My family and I are going out to Friendly's on Saturday night. Well, my dad was sick and had diabetes, so we never had any junk food or sugary food in the house, which I'm thankful for now, but I believe that's part of the reason why I developed my eating disorder, specifically bulimia, because I felt deprived of those foods. But we never got to go to restaurants. We never went on a vacation. And at 15, my father died. And around that time, I started getting bullied in school for being ugly and fat and all the names that the kids would call me because I was vulnerable and an easy target. And around the age of eight, tracking back a little, I remember, and perhaps you can relate, just feeling like something was inherently wrong with me. Even at such a young age, probably even before the age of eight, around six years old, I started keeping journals and empaths and highly sensitive people. We are deep thinkers. We are deep feelers. We feel everything very strongly. And now I'm so blessed to call myself a highly sensitive person. Um, In the medical world, this is known as sensory processing sensitivity. And we know that many people that have autism do have sensory processing, high sensitivity. This is a temperament or a personality trait, which involves a increased sensitivity for deeper cognitive processing of physical, social, and emotional stimuli. And growing up, I was very sensitive. My mom used to tell me stories of when I was two years old. If she looked at me too fast, I would go in my room and cry. And if she didn't look at me fast enough, I would go in my room and cry. And I'm also a cancer, so added on top of that. Um, but I don't think highly sensi- high sensitivity is a personality deficit or a disorder, as it has been termed in the past in the DSM, perhaps. But if you're a highly sensitive person, you know that from your experiences, you feel things far more strongly than others do. And this is perhaps when I was growing up, why I felt I was so different because my mom said when I was younger I used to see things in my room I used to see angels and have these very lucid dreams and just always feeling different and as a 26 year old I can appreciate this now because I tend to do to feel more deeply by the beauty I see by the music I hear I cry all the fucking time, (laughs) especially if I'm watching romantic or sad or heartwarming videos. I really can empathize deeply with the feelings of others, both negative and positive. And this has made my relationships to people very close. I'm very, very affectionate and loving, but there's so many self-care tips that need to be adapted and learned if you are a highly sensitive person or else it can drive you fucking insane. And... I find this interesting because at a young age, such a young age, I just felt different. I felt depressed at a very young age. Around the age of seven, I I would pray to God at that time and I would say, why is something wrong with me? Just make me like all the other girls. And in high school when I was getting bullied, I got into my first abusive relationship. And empaths, moving on to empaths now, we tend to attract narcissists because empaths are such big-hearted people. and are healers generally, and they try to relieve the pain of others. And 
this, when we ease other people's pain, it tends to ease our own pain and our own discomfort. And this is why I believe I was attracting so many toxic, dysfunctional relationships, but not just because I was an empath, but because of what I grew up knowing. And it was very interesting. I listened to this amazing book, an audiobook on high sensitivity. And the author was sharing her own experience of being diagnosed with mental illness at such a young age. And she, I mean, everyone has their own right to choose, but she's decided to say, there's nothing wrong with me mentally. I'm just, I learned that I feel things and experience things a lot more deeply than other people. And I really liked this perspective because perhaps instead of saying I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder by a medical professional, I like to reframe it now and see that it's just my high sensitivity. But that resonates for me, it might not resonate for everyone. So when I was 14, I started self-harming right around the time when my father was dying and I started cutting myself and I started making myself vomit. and. It was just dysfunction 24-7. There was not a moment throughout the day I wasn't thinking about hurting myself or eating or over-exercising. Life just felt so hard. And life always felt like an uphill battle that I just felt in the past I could never get over that hump. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you have a history of trauma. For me, I did have a lot of trauma early on, specifically interpersonally and sexually and emotionally. And emotional abuse can make someone more empathetic, can make someone higher, have higher sensitivity. And signs that you might be an empath, and an empath is different than a highly sensitive person. A lot of highly sensitive people are also empaths, but not every highly sensitive person is an empath, if that makes sense, but you have major empathy. For me, I feel easily overwhelmed, a strong connection to your intuition or the other side, a love of nature, a dislike of crowds, deep caring. And I am an introvert. I identify as an introvert, but Some empaths and highly sensitive people can also be extroverts, but it is more likely they are introverted, especially if you are a highly sensitive person because crowds and loud music and claustrophobia. And for me, I can never stay out super long because I'm very easily drained by other people. And this has made me in my late teens, when I really started becoming more high sensitive, more empathic, empathic, empathetic. (laughs) People spell it two different ways, so I never know how to pronounce it. But when I started really honing in this skill, I want to call it a skill now because I don't see it as a, um, a negative thing in my life. It made me lose a lot of friends. And when I was sexually assaulted at the age of 18, my first semester of college, I lost my best friend because of this, because I couldn't go out the way I used to. I really just wanted to be alone 24 seven because being around people, and this is why it's been sort of a roadblock in many relationships is especially if I have extroverted friends that love going out and love doing things, they think I'm avoiding them or that I don't want to be around them when this is simply not true. I recharge with my alone time. I could spend an entire day without any 
social contact whatsoever. And of course we're human, so we need human connection. But I find that so relaxing and rejuvenating and necessary because if I'm going out every night, if I'm around people every night, I could become so tired and, and exhausted because you do take on other people's energy. So this is something that I've had to explain to my friends or set boundaries with that, okay, I'll go out on Friday night, but I can only go out from seven to nine. I need to know that I'm have an escape route, not so much an escape because I'm not having fun, but because after so long for me, it's about the quality time, not the quantity. So I became, I would say I was at my most mentally ill, um, around the age of 21 when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, self-harming like crazy, extremely suicidal. And I'd already been hospitalized before this time, but I got into an abusive relationship, which just made everything like it was depression on crack. And I became extremely hypervigilant. I would start dissociating. It was very traumatic, probably the most traumatic event I've ever gone through. And I sustained a traumatic brain injury from that relationship. And I can go more into that if anyone is interested in hearing more about this and mental illness. But I was on so many different medications that my doctors felt it was a lost cause. I did not want to live life. I was in so much pain and so much suffering. And I touched on this with the stigma attached to suicide being selfish. Now, I do not condone suicide and... I am not saying that it is the right thing to do. However, nobody talks shit about someone that lost their battle to cancer, but they will say how selfish and cowardly someone that killed themselves is. And I use the word kill themselves instead of commit suicide because I believe when you are in such a low state, when you are so engulfed in the depths of despair, you cannot think straight. Your brain chemistry neurochemically becomes rewired and the brains of people that have mental illness look different than the brains of someone that is healthy, healthier mentally. So this is just something to keep in mind. I never thought I would make it through the other side. I didn't want to. Life felt like a burden. I remember saying, I wish my mom had aborted me. And I'm sorry if this offends anyone that deals with infertility or has had a miscarriage. My intention is not to offend you, but I'm just sharing my own experience from someone that's been there. And I tried so many different treatments, y'all. And through this all, I was meditating every day. I was doing yoga. I was going outside. So I believe these are tools and skills we need to implement in addition to our mental health treatment. But I don't think that it's a solution for everyone, perhaps for someone that struggles with slight anxiety or seasonal affective disorder. This, these things can be very tremendously healing and helpful. And I would highly encourage you to participate and find self-care activities that you enjoy and make you feel good. But please stop shaming people that, oh, if you just added more vegetables into your life, you wouldn't be dealing with depression or anxiety or, oh, stop being so sad all the time. Just think on the bright side. It's really not helpful. And I trust that people try to be supportive and helpful, but if they've never gone through it, they have no fucking clue in hell what it's like to deal with a major chronic 
depression or mental health condition. So support caveat that being said that support is extremely crucial and I find that everyone's healing process is very different. So I no longer would say I suffer suffer or live with severe depression. Um, I also have been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive personality disorder, um, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, social anxiety, panic disorder. I've really have been through a lot of it. I've never hallucinated or had delusions. Um, Some people would disagree because I do, I can communicate with spirit. (laughs) So they might think, oh, you're just mentally ill. But to each his own. You know, it's not, my belief isn't everyone else's belief. But I just wanted to plant the seed in your mind that the thing I felt was most wrong with me in the past I feel is most right with me now. And that could be you too. If you are going through it or if you are in the depths of despair and just are really hating life. And for me, a great deal of my life, I would call myself someone that was a high functioning mental, dealing with high functioning mental illness, which could be even more difficult because you're so used to looking okay on the outside, smiling, and people asking you, is everything okay? When everything is not okay at all, and you so badly want to say, no, I'm so hurt. But you just put that smile on and that band-aid and you act like everything is okay. For me, it it took a lot of time. It took going to so many therapists and psychiatrists and treatment centers and outpatient clinics, inpatient, just everything under the sun. So I can only speak to my own experience, and if you are dealing with anything right now, I fully and completely empathize with you. But from my personal experience, no one could have traumatized me as badly, or abused me as badly, I'm sorry, as I continued to abuse myself after that initial trauma. Because these traumas we carry with us, because and I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but for me, it was a safe haven. It was what I knew. I was comfortable with it. I was comfortable in the discomfort. I got so much of my identity from my mental illness that I was scared to lose it. I remember just staying in bed, crying and weeping. And I am so fucking thankful right now I'm not in that cycle of depression because I will tell you, although I no longer say I have major depression, it comes and goes. It comes in waves. But I have to keep reminding myself, this too shall pass. And the things in my life that have broke me down and hurt me the hardest, they made me stronger. And we'll never know if we don't keep living. Sometimes when we're suicidal or depressed, making it through the day is the hardest thing we can do. And we feel like no one loves us because our mental illness is a fucking liar. It's a liar. It it wants to destroy you because your mental illness is your ego. It's that fear mindset. And it, it hates you because it's never satisfied. But if you're listening to this, I want to let you know how fucking brave you are. And I'm getting emotional. HSP empath in me. You are a fucking warrior. 
You are so strong. I don't need to know you to tell you this because humans are resilient. Humans are made to persevere. And sometimes life can feel like a battle and a war that we're just not going to win. It could feel useless. And when we're sad, we think about all the bad things in life. Oh, I'm going to lose everyone anyway. Everyone's going to leave me. I'm unlovable. I'm this broken, damaged, whatever. It's all a lie. Don't believe what your mental illness tells you. Don't believe what other people tell you you should be doing for your mental illness. We have to find what works for us, especially if you're an HSP empath. It adds a few different challenges, but I'm promising you that if you make it through to the other side, no, life's not going to be perfect. No, life's not always going to be uphill. Our emotions are there for a reason. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days, but the good days and the rewards I have sustained from the worst years of my life was so worth it. It's taught me about everything. And if you just trust that you were given this life because you are strong enough to live it, then take that today. Remind yourself that. You can do hard things. You were meant to do hard things. I have faith in you. I believe in you. I love you. And we're healing together. We heal. We can heal. It is possible. But you have to live another day to get there. So thank you so much for listening. I feel like I could just keep talking, honestly. (laughs) But for my own uh, time frame and for your own sanity, I will stop talking and I'll cut this here. Thank you for listening. Please continue to reach out. If you need support, reach out to friends, family members, reach out to me. I'm here for you. We got this. We will do this together. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wicked day.